This is the Integrative Entrepreneur Podcast, where it's not what you do, but how you do it. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs brought to you by entrepreneurs. We have been building a multi-million dollar healthcare business for over 10 years, and we have weaved together some of the best information for the people that are doing the best work in the business. This includes Dr. Martini, who is a master in human behavior, to Vern Harnish, who has created the methodologies of scaling up that has scaled many, many of the best businesses that we all know of. We want you to not only have a business that you love, but also a life that you love. All right, welcome back. We are part three of the five struggles of the entrepreneur slash CEO. And this time around, we are going to dive deep into certainty over clarity and how this creates what we call analysis paralysis. Um, you know, I think as business owners, uh, I always joke that we're all a little crazy. <laughs> or a lot. So, you know, I, I constantly would make jokes with the team. I'm like, you know, it's fine. I used to, you know, hit my head on the concrete as a child when I would get mad. And I think that gave me a frontal lobe damage, hence why I was able to build the business that I did. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Uh, you know, well, for the for the people that have no idea about what the frontal lobe does, but frontal lobe has a lot to do with being impulsive when it's damaged. So when we get in talking about fear, I'll talk about the frontal lobe. Yeah. So uh, so overall, you know, I, I do think that it's a very comfortable balance of using data, using analytics and also you know, using your intuition and also knowing that there's always going to be some level of risk that comes along with the launch or vision of something new, especially something that is new to the market. And, you know, it's interesting. I have a good friend who owns a franchise uh, of restaurants through Philly and DC, and we were having lunch and her company, she's a very large company at this point in time. And one of the things that uh, she said that I remember was so significant to me at the time, because at the time we were just running Integrative Wellness Group at probably about 15 employees. And, you know, she had about 500 employees at the time. And she's like, you know, in the beginning of business, you can use your intuition uh, and you can say, based off of the location and based off of this industry, I think that, you know, the my French fries can cost this or my vegan beet burger can cost this. And then once you have various locations and you have, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars going through those locations every day, the most minor mistake in pricing will then cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of a month or even a quarter. And I was like, wow, you know, that that's very significant. So as you grow and scale, you do have to make sure that you are properly weighing out risk and data. And this is something that I know in the beginning of our business, I feel like we based everything on intuition. <laughs> How does this feel? That yeah, feels great. Let's just do that. Yeah. And, you know, what I what I find in a lot of the students that we work with, with uh, the Growth Institute is that it's not always the data. There's an issue with vision and fear around the vision and then the comparison game, which I think we should definitely talk about as well. 
And, you know, I was specifically speaking to someone who has a dance studio, who this is a new dance studio. And they were discussing, you know, what their previous price point was and the difference in what the vision is. And the vision for the new dance studio was uh, bringing together dancers, athletes, and nutrition, which is a very different model from the previous. But she said she was only charging $2 more uh, per membership. And I was like, well, where did you come up with $2? And the first and foremost, but secondary is what is your fear around charging what is appropriate for that vision? And have you done any type of research around companies that are creating more of that integration, that integration of athletes, dance, nutrition, and anything else that you're incorporating? And, you know, there was no data pulled um, the only thing that was being considered was other dance studios within a mile or a square mile. And, you know, I think that we all know as business owners, there's a lot of business owners that have their own limiting beliefs. They have their own fears. They have money obstacles, money limiting beliefs. Um, they don't know their self-worth. Um, they're thinking about price based off of, you know, the area, but then they're not always thinking about what their time is worth. And then they're also not thinking about overhead costs and a variety of other things. So, you know, what are what are some of your experience when it comes to working with people with the Demartini method and this fear in business? And, you know, what are what are some of the things that you're seeing, some of the trends? And, you know, is there any level of a common denominator around it? Well, I mean, you covered so, so many different uh, pain points that we could probably be here for at least a month or two going through all of those. Um, but I mean, one of the, I mean, I guess let's just kind of start from the beginning of where you were talking from. So you were talking about intuition versus instinct. And this is um, because one of my biggest values is understanding. And for me, when I can understand something, I can better use it to serve myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through just really quick some differences because it's like you said, as you grow, the little things become such a big thing. You know, it's like a couple cents off of French fries that can be worth thousands, hundred thousands of dollars. So it's about going back to that foundation and make sure that we're using things properly. So when you look at intu- intuition versus instinct, it's very important, especially as an entrepreneur, because I think a lot of people don't even know there's a difference between the two. Right. And this is um, so they're both feelings. Um, when you go to instinct, it's actually a physiological um, way that your body's talking to you to protect yourself. So instinct is always coming from uh, derived from experience from your past to protect you. Would you f- say that's a gut feeling? It is. A, that's what it is. That's where okay. you feel. It. It's a gut feeling. And it's created to create that physiological response to kind of as a feedback mechanism to protect yourself. So anytime that we have that instinct, it's a gut feeling to protect us from some type of pain experience that we perceived in the past. The complete opposite of that is intuition. So intuition is really designed and everybody will feel intuition differently. So everybody has instinct through the gut. It's a visceral um, expression. But when we go to being intuitive, to be able to use our intuition to serve ourselves, that is really designed to go through inspiration. 
It's designed to create an inspiring movement so that we can better serve ourselves. And when we're in alignment to serving ourselves, we're going to be connected to serving what's most important to not only us, but our mission, our purpose, and our vision, which is connected to the business. So understanding that one one thing, intuition, uh, is supposed to guide us to grow, evolve, expand. And the other one is actually trying to protect us. The instinct is trying to protect us from contracting, from being in that pain uh, experience. And when we aren't actually clear on the difference between the two, that is a huge driver of fear. And that is just coming from what you pointed out, a lack of clarity. And when we're not clear on things, we can't make decisions to best serve ourselves. And we're not serving ourselves. We're wasting energy. We're wasting money. We're wasting time. And we're creating chaos within not only our life, but our business life as well. So when we look at fear, especially a big component of what you talked about was money. And as I always say with every single quote unquote problem, we always have to start internally because every single creation is just a reflection of who we are, our, our resonance, our being. So if we have money issues in our business, it's because the executive team, we have money issues. And those money issues can come from so many different avenues. It's about really getting clear on the creation so that we can go through because every single creation is based off of a belief system. So once we can go through and see the driver, the creator of those patterns, we can go through and actually human behaviorally change that belief system so that it's congruent to the outcome that we want to have. So that our belief systems can actually serve us instead of us being a victim to our belief systems and stalling fear. Fear is not a bad thing by any means. I love fear. And because fear allows actually clarity. And this is the opposite of what most people think. We think that when we're in fear, it's a bad thing because we're not clear. And it's like, if you were clear, you wouldn't have fear. So fear is actually amazing because it's telling you that you're not clear to go through, gain clarity. Once you gain that clarity, there's no more fear because fear is just an effect because the cause is that you were not clear. Once we can go through, especially with the money, you know, it's like I always say the majority of our problems start uh, between, not to get too scientifically, between that last trimester of birth uh, to the age of seven. So that's when most of our programming happens because the brain is in a stage where we're really just absorbing information to survive. Unfortunately, most of those patterns aren't allowing us to thrive. It's to survive. So we have to go through life de-learning kind of those patterns that have been installed and ingrained in us that have created those belief systems, bring that belief systems into a resonance, a pattern, a harmony that's going to serve us and allow us to grow and expand. Do you want to keep going or? No, (laughs) because I think that examples are just huge with this kind of stuff because there's what you're talking about is applicable to so many different avenues of business, but also life, to be really honest with you. And something that just stood out in my mind, which was an experience that we had in business was, you know, there was a lot of layers to it. But in the integrative medicine business, we were trying to hire uh, doctors for a while And I feel that we, well, I feel as I'm saying that, um, we were really operating out of, I don't want to say just, well, yes, we were operating out of partly fear, but we were also operating out of that instinct. So like we were trying to protect 
And it was coming from a place that we weren't using data analytics, which was creating this fear and it was creating paralysis essentially Mm -hmm. because it took us. And also a lack of value. A lack of value. Yes. You know, I remember we had a business coach at the time that was just kind of like, what is the problem? Just hire a doctor. And and I just remember thinking at the time, just like it's so much easier said than done. But there were multiple layers that were happening. So number one is I think that we weren't ready to fully let go was was situation number one. Situation number two was our biggest obstacle was we would take people through this interview process and then we would start negotiating from a salary perspective. And, you know, two things happened. So one, I personally found myself getting triggered by individuals that I did not feel were up to par from an educational standpoint or from a people standpoint that were requesting these very, very high salaries. And there were you know, two things happening was one, I didn't have a proper way of screening them to have black and white data to say, where are you on the scale of being able to truly work with our clients, let's say with a three-week training period, you know, really being able to test their competency. I didn't have that in place. So a lot of what I was basing off of was wishy-washy. Like I wasn't basing my opinion off of anything valid and objective. So that was kind of issue number one. Number two is I was using, you know, my past experience in the industry and then I was using like industry standards and I wasn't getting specific on what does my business allow for the salary and what does that progression look like as they grow their their patient base so on and so forth and these were things that like i just love scaling up so much because scaling up gave you this it made you literally understand what a labor efficiency ratio is which allows you to know exactly what every employee is worth in your business so if they produce x then this is how you know what their salary should be and so and it's great to look at industry standards but and compare yourself to be able to see because that's competition is a benefit in life yeah but when it comes to making decisions you don't make decisions based on the business, on the competition. You make decisions based on your company and what's going to actually make sense for you. And also, too, is these individuals that sometimes come to us, you know, they're they're making these very, very big salaries, but they're leaving. And they're leaving their job for a reason because it becomes not always just about the money. It becomes that they hate going to work every day. And the company culture is terrible and they're never heard and they don't feel like they're contributing to humanity and they don't feel like they are achieving. So it really does come back to the values of the person. And one of the things that we now require on our application for a new hire is what do they value? Do they value PTO and 401k and, you know, shares and all these, you know, financial things? Or is one of their biggest values is continual learning and um, to practice what they preach from a, from a, um, personal development standpoint? Is it going to work and, and loving what they do? Is it loving the coworkers that they have? 
is that community important to them? Because that is something that you, that's all on the foundation of your core values. And, you know, some of our biggest core values is continual learning. And if you're not a person that you want to continually learn and you're not interested in personal development, like we know right off the bat, you're not a fit. So this is what I'm talking about is it's not just about competency, but it's also about core values. So two sets of questions, which are pretty in-depth questions or sets of questions, I should say, is I take people through a clinical competency if they're coming to work in the business, in the uh, integrative medicine business, and I'm, I'm able to truly gauge are they a talented, educated practitioner that also has critical thinking and also has the ability to meet people where they're at and and be empathetic, but still guide them and truly have all of the things that we think are important as being a doctor. Because it's not just about you have all of these fancy letters at the end of your name. If you have no people skills, then you're not going to survive in our business. Yeah, if you can't communicate, you can't sell. If you can't sell, you can't help someone. Exactly. And then when it comes to the values of the company is, you know, we want people to be financially taken care of, but we also, you know, really pride ourselves on having this team dynamic that everyone has each other's back and they are solution oriented and they're not always looking to their higher ups, but they're self-sufficient to make decisions and to troubleshoot on their own. But they're also interested in continually learning and personal development. Because the last thing you want is if every week you have some type of lunch and learn in your business or some type of, you know, um, mindset retreat or personal develop infiltrated in your retreats. And then the person sitting there rolling their eyes, you know, that's, that's not good for the overall health of the company. When you look at it and the reason we have those questions for why learning is so important in our business is that our, one of our biggest things is to evolve and to grow, um, to be able to make massive changes, not just massive changes in people's lives, but massive changes in the systems that are in place that's governing our country right now and bigger than that. But so when we look at that foundation, it seems like such a simple thing, but there's a difference between learning and learned. And that's also when looking at when we're learning, we're open for change. We're open for something better, for more efficiency. But when we've learned, we're not open to change. And that literally for everything that we do on the values of the business goes against it all. So it's simple little questions uh, like that. It's like, you know, one of our recent um, interviews is like, you know, what are you going to be doing this weekend? He's like, well, if it's nice, I'm going to be snowboarding. But if it's not nice, I'm probably going to just be, you know, reading and learning. So it really shows, you know, where somebody's at on their hierarchy of values, what's most important to them. And that really goes back to be able to, once you can see what's most important to somebody, you can have a really good insight to their intuitive as well as their instincts. Yeah, 100%. And again, going back to the data and analytics part is you know, being able to know exactly what hiring someone will bring into your business from a revenue perspective, you know, based off of, um, you know, how many clients or how many programs or what type of program that they will offer and giving them benchmarks. Like people want to know exactly what is expected of them. They want to have that scoreboard and to know where they're at so they know that they are doing well or meeting those benchmarks and achieving. And 
as they meet certain benchmarks, then knowing that that compensation will change based off of meeting those benchmarks. People want to know where they stand. And that was not actually a survey that we have done, but many, many large organizations actually compiled a variety um, of, of data points. And one of the biggest complaints in companies, and even very good companies that have great culture, was people that just didn't know where they stood. They didn't get feedback. They didn't know if they were doing a good job, a bad job, a mediocre job. And because of that, they didn't know how to improve. And they felt like a hamster on a wheel. And that goes back to just having a scoreboard. You know, if there's no score, you don't know if you're winning or losing. And if you don't know where you stand, the game's not very fun. Yeah. So, you know, I know that all of this, it it went in a quite a few different directions, but it's really just understanding that in your business, there's going to be a level of risk. So let's use the hiring example that we've been talking about is, you know, if your business is at a certain amount of revenue and you are ideally maybe trying to take yourself out of the business, but or you're just trying to grow your revenue, is that sometimes it's a risk in order to make that hire. And to make that hire, you have to take into consideration that yes, there is going to be a training period and then there's going to be a period of growth for that individual to start up with a program or to start gaining their own clients or start making certain sales. So giving yourself that buffer and making sure that the numbers match. But you should be able to bridge that understanding and that objective data to make that decision. But knowing that there's always a level of risk because, you know, you might not have that full amount of revenue to support that hire. But as long as you have very specific benchmarks in place and maybe you then support through other avenues, um, maybe it's a launch of an online program or or a selling of a product that you're able to compensate so that you're not putting the business in a vulnerable position. And then of course is the last thing that you want to do is hire someone at a price point because you think that they're worth it. And you're basing that off of emotion or you're basing that off of instinct or you're basing that off of one good interview is you have to make sure that you are taking them through something that gives you subject or I'm sorry, objective data to know, you know, is this person truly capable of meeting these benchmarks or am I going to put the business in this vulnerable place financially? And then in six months, I'm going to be in an even worse place because I lose this person. Yeah, one of the, the best things to do to take that false evidence out of the fear is to get the evidence on what's the worst case scenarios, mm -hmm. you know, and once you get those objective data points of, OK, if I make this decision, I make this decision in this one, what are the worst possible outcomes that can happen? And if, can I live with that? And yeah. And if that's not enough to if that worst outcome comes and it doesn't shake you that much then there's no fear behind it. But you didn't have that clarity until you went through the process. You literally took the time to write it down, to see it in real life, to feel it. And then it's like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. Or it could be like, there's no way I could handle this. This would crush me. And like, well, then that fear was very intelligent for coming up because it literally showed you that you were going to almost make an emotional decision. And this is one of the things when I wanted to get back to talking about that, you know, Nicole having frontal brain damage. <laughs> perfect, perfect time. As most entrepreneurs do, honestly. He's like, I definitely want to talk about this. <laughs> She's a little 
crazy. <laughs> She's from Jersey. She doesn't know Gary V yet, but he might. She might be his daughter. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> throwing it out there. I don't just know. just throwing it out there. Nobody knows. We might be like the same age, but that's fine. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> so when we're emotional, hence making. Uh, having fear is an emotional reaction. So anytime that we're experiencing fear and emotions in that point of view, the part of the brain that's being active is called the limbic system. And with that, the only way that we can act is through a reaction. Uh, so when we're emotional, reacting to things, which is usually ends up making decisions that's unbalanced, that's polarized, that's based off of seeing that we're everything's only good, so I'm going to make a decision off of that. And then I actually didn't see the downside, which that's why fear is supposed to come up to be able to help us see the downside, get clarity on it, to be able to know if we can actually make this decision, if it's good for us or not. But to be able to get to that endpoint, what we have to do is transition the energy from the emotional center of the brain to the prefrontal cortex. And the great thing about Nicole actually damaging her prefrontal cortex is that she that this is the part of the brain that's actually known as the executive center, uh, which is interesting because when you think about business and most of our podcast here is to talk to the executive. So every single decision that an executive makes should be in the executive center of the brain. And when we're doing that, we're making conscious awareness decisions to best serve ourselves, to best serve the business, to best serve the hierarchy of the directors, the managers, the employees, as well as the customers. This comes through asking very specific quality questions. And that's how you can actually transfer the energy from the limbic system of the brain to the prefrontal cortex is by asking quality questions. The quality of your life is dictated by the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. And that is what drives the energy. Energy flows where attention goes. So if our attention is on fear, we're going to stay in the limbic system of the brain and it's going to be fucking chaos. But as soon as we ask a quality question, we drive the energy from the limbic system back up to the executive center of the brain where we can actually start serving ourselves again, where we can get grounded, where our awareness can increase and actually see both sides of the polarity. We can see the good and the bad. And when we can do that, we can use it all to serve ourselves. When we're polarized and we're living in fear, we're going to be reactive, making decisions to try to stay, keep our head above the water. But when we're in the executive zone, we're going to make decisions not out of fear, but based out of seeing possibilities in the future, what those possibilities, worst case, best case scenarios would create to ourselves, and then making an executive quality decision to be able to serve ourselves. And I think sometimes those executive decisions, you know, they can sound crazy to other people. And, you know, I'm really, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about, again, this balance of of data and, and risk and, you know, making bold decisions. Because in the beginning of our business, we were laughed at. You know, we were kicked out of 26 banks. They just were like, quit while you're ahead. Uh, you know, one guy was just like, your business plan sucks. You're never going to make it. You really should just save your money and quit. Go get a job somewhere. Um, I, I will say pretty much my parents kind of knew I was a little cuckoo. So they were just like, eh, all right, whatever you want to do. And your parents were like, you're out of your mind. You better not do this. You're going to ruin your lives. And, you know, we we definitely had a lot of things working against us. And we didn't operate out of fear. I think that the primarily it was just 
yeah, there's fears around this, but there's no other choice. There's no other option. And people are going to have fear when they don't have clarity. So it's not like my parents or the bankers or whatnot that they were giving bad advice. They were giving advice. They were operating out of their lens. They were giving the best advice that they could see through. And fortunately or unfortunately, it's like one of my favorite mentors. He goes, it doesn't matter what you do, Nick. Just do the opposite of whatever society's doing and you'll have a good life. Yeah. It's because the majority of society is living off of what's, you know, what uh, Buffett talks about is fear and greed. You know, that runs the majority of society is fear and greed. And as soon as we can actually get away of that limbic system and into the executive center, we're not living our life through those lens. We're living a life through a lens connected to our values. And that's where we were starting out. We were crystal clear on what we wanted to create, why we wanted to create it. And we were willing to go through pain and pleasure because of yeah. that. Most people, they're not living through that clarity. They're living through the emotions. And as soon as we're going through emotions and there's too much pain, we can't deal with it. So that's when, quote unquote, businesses in life fails is because we were living in an emotional center. We weren't living through an executive inspiration and intuitive actions. Well, I think that that's huge of what you just said, because yes, there is going to be pain in business. Hell yes. Every, and all the time. You need to get really, really honest with yourself to say that's going to be part of it. And it's all to help you learn and grow. And you cannot let it take you over emotionally, mentally. And there's always a solution. And I think that that's a really important thing for people to to understand. Because even from the integrative medicine side, what we realized over time is with the right diagnostics and the right therapies is that anything is possible. And there's always going to be a solution no matter how bad it looks. And the same thing applies for your business. It's just you probably just don't have the clarity on what that is to really help you to the next step. And that's where mentors come in, is that they're able to see what you can't see because maybe you are blinded by emotion and fear. Um, but in addition to that is bringing different data and algorithms and, you know, objectivity to the table. And that's something that I really appreciate with scaling up is that's that's what it bridged for me. I definitely feel like I've stepped into business as a business owner with little fear because my vision was so big. And I was like, I will do what I have to do. And I know that is going to take some sacrifice and it's going to cause some pain, but I'm willing to do that because the pain of being an employee and working towards nothing or potentially not being able to make an impact on the world and humanity, like that was a bigger pain point to me. And what's been amazing with that is that, you know, I mean, I think I'm pretty good at human behavior and be able to get people to be the best version of themselves and allow people to use behavior to grow a business very intelligently. But without systems, it's really, it's like you don't have the boundaries set in place to be able to grow efficiently and intelligently. So it's really com compounding both all of the crazy, I mean, how many years is scaling up and going on? It's long 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 time yeah so it's just it's insane how much knowledge has really been proven you know but the whole foundation of scaling up is on the rockefeller habits obviously we all know you know the rockefellers are you know one of the wealthiest families and has been one of the wealthiest families for a hundred years they do okay in business <laughs> so you know when you're when you're getting 
into scaling up, you're realizing that these are, you know, proven methodologies that have built some of the biggest empires in the world. And, you know, and some of it, when you read through it, some of it just sounds so simple and like it it's such common sense, but the implementation of it is it, it takes time, it, it takes strategy, it it really takes perseverance. Um, and also we are trying to implement kind of like old school methods in this new day and age where there's this idea of overnight success. There's this idea of I could just sit in my house and create YouTube videos and I'm going to make, you know, over a million dollars, uh, you know, a month, even not even a year. So we have, uh, you know, we have a culture that is built around this idea that it's very little work and you can just have things flourish overnight. And yeah, I, yeah maybe in some scenarios. Well, you, in life, you don't get something for nothing. I mean, it's just energy is not created or destroyed. Yeah. But when you look at that, it's like, it's not that that isn't true. You know, you can be an overnight success, quote unquote, you know. And, but you have different pain points. But You have different pain points, but it's also when you look at it, that's not uh, a sustainable longevity business. Yeah. Uh, it's you're you're riding a, a short high when you look at like a wavelength. It's a short high. You have massive gains, but then it's going to be short lived uh, when you look at the overall progression of business and creating a legacy. But you're also talking about resiliency because if you you know we have all of these individuals that are influencers on social platforms, and like what if that social platform was gone tomorrow? You know what else is happening? Are you taking this? you know, this platform that you've leveraged and how are you now branching that into other opportunities? So diversity is key in business. And, you know, this is something that we've definitely talked about in our Evolve or Die webinar is that, you know, you you have to be able to diversify your business, your income and leverage other opportunities from what you create. Because if you, if you had something happen, and maybe it's not to you, maybe it's just the economy or it's just the environment, then, you know, if your business, if everything is in one pot or all your eggs are in one basket, then, you know, you put yourself in a really vulnerable position. Yeah. And I mean, and that's a big part of getting yourself out of fear. And you only get to that diversification through going up into that executive center, be able to use in that prefrontal cortex to ask quality questions to be like, how else can I use my zone of genius and be able to increase different avenues to be able to really connect with people? And that's when you look at growth, it's about seeing what inspires you the most, really what turns you on, and then getting crystal clear on that and looking out in the world and saying, what problem can this fix? Mm -hmm. And the bigger the problem, the bigger the return that you're going to have. And the bigger actually inspiration you're going to have and you'll be able to go through more pain because you're going to really receive more pleasure. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I love about this conversation is, listen, we all have fear and and that's just a standard. Some of the fear, you know, is happening in our personal lives, but it's inevitable that it trickles into our business life. And this can really affect how we're showing up in our business for our team because we are the leaders of, of our organization. And it also trickles into the decision making that we're, you know, we're doing in our business on a day to day. So, you know, being able to bridge the two worlds of scaling up and your expertise with the Demartini method is, you know, again, doing that deep dive diagnostic in our triple D program and figuring out, you know, 
what fears are holding you back? And are these fears based off of programming from your past or your current? And or and or is this also going back to lack of objective data? And that data could be in pricing of your product or how to hire an employee, what to pay an employee. It could be, you know, a variety of different things. But there are solutions and algorithms to all of, you know, the ability to grab that data. And then in addition to that is being able to acknowledge those fears and work through them through the Demartini method. Um, or it's even a matter of looking at the fears and then looking at the vision and being able to create clarity around where those things are coming from, what's valid, what's not. And, you know, so much of the time coaches are not necessarily taking that personalized approach and acknowledging it because they don't have the background in the human behavior. And we've been in a million coaching programs and we've seen it over and over again is that people, you know, are just everything is crumbling around them and it's all stemming back to programming and fear and this analysis paralysis and you know, the the fear around what others are doing in the industry or what people are telling them. You know, honestly, every single up-leveling is, I mean, the reason for business, honestly, it's not to make money. It's not, it's not to grow this huge thing to change the world. It's primarily to grow yourself and to change yourself because you can't change the world unless you change yourself. And that's really the, the best part about being an entrepreneur is the amount of self-growth that occurs from that because you can't grow something externally sustainably unless you're doing the same internally because everything outside of us is just a reflection inside so if we have money struggles in our business it's because we still have to and it's not that we necessarily have quote-unquote money struggles when i say that it's just that the level that we're going to next that resonance that being of who we are do we match that and if we don't, then we have to go through and change our belief system around money, around value, our personal value. And once we actually change our value and we raise that and we can see that and we can feel it and we step into the world differently, then we actually allow the business to up-level as well. And that goes through every single pain point. So what I love about human behavior is that, you know, you can use it for as much or as little as you want, but it's going to limit your quote-unquote success. And I hate using success because once we achieve success, there's no way else besides down, but it's really to help you grow. And if you're content, you know, cool. Um, it's going to suck in a couple of years because everybody's going to pass you because you stopped growing. And if you stop growing as a, a human being, your business is going to stop growing. Yeah. Well, I this was a, a long podcast, so we're going to wrap up now. But uh, as we get into the next part of the series, we're actually going to be talking about you know, the struggle of of how the CEO shows up in the company and, you know, really being able to create that balance with being vulnerable and being personable in your business, but then also still maintaining that authority as a leader. And, um, you know, where do things go wrong and where do things go right? And, you know, how do you really just maintain that comfortable balance? So that is what we're going to be talking about on part four. All right, we'll see you over there. You've reached the end of another episode of the Integrative Entrepreneur Podcast. Connect with us at integrativegrowthinstitute.com. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free materials 
See you at the next episode. If you love today's episode of Integrative Entrepreneur Podcast, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.